Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh, we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh, let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Peaky Blinders Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside... Zachary, your other host. What's up, Zach? How you doing tonight, man? Not bad, not bad. Busy day, but I'm excited to get into it, man. I got this episode in early, you know. Um, you got this in much earlier than I thought you were going to. I was like, I'm if not I didn't, have time to take notes. And, and thank God I did it, because if notes. I didn't... If I didn't this episode would have been done like at 1 a.m. But um, <laughs> instead, uh, we're done and we have these notes, which, by the way, you know, if you're listening to this, we have watched all of Peaky Blinders at this point. And when Multiple we recorded, times. when we initially recorded, we had done season one and season five and our season one, two and five, I think. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. no, we're doing two now. We did one and five. We're doing three now, buddy. Oh, no, no two. We're, yeah, we're yeah, doing episode right. three. Right. <laughs> Season two. Oh, because the way I'm looking at my my Netflix screen right now, it has, I had like the podcast thing blocking it. And it says episode three, episode three next to each yeah, other. So I'm like, does. what the heck? That's a little confusing. Yeah. Well, anyways, we saw, we've seen the entire series. So well, I'm obviously not going to say some of the notes that I have here. But I think like as we're doing this rewatch of the series and going through and doing commentary, I mean, there's so much, there's so many little tidbits that they just like leave between the character dynamics, between the, how they interact with each other and all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. is, uh, it's interesting knowing what we know and then coming back and watching in season two. So, uh, yeah. let's get into it. Do we have a name for this episode or it's just, uh, I think I, it's, it's episode three, but I think that's literally the name for this. I think, two, I think three. Peaky at this point did not have names for episodes. Yeah. I don't think they did that until season five and six. No, season four had four. names in their episodes. So season one through three. Didn't, and then four through six four did. Interesting. and five have it, and then we know six has it because we wonder, have uh, watched that. I wonder uh, what the reasoning was for that. They just got halfway through and they were like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. All the great shows do it. All the great shows name gotta, their episodes. You got to title it, man. You got to title them. Yeah, I mean, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. It's like writing Sopr- a chapter of a book and not giving it a name. Yeah, I believe Sopranos does too. Um, yeah, just... It's nice when they don't have a title because you have like this mystery of what's going to happen. When And when there's a title, it's like it feels like you're kind of constantly guessing. 
like what's yeah. it about you're, you're always grasping for something right when there's a title and some i don't know sometimes it can kind of give it away but i you know i don't even mind the title so much the thing that disappoints me is the descriptions because <laughs> the descriptions really give it away all the time like the description of the episode you're about to watch they shouldn't they should be a little bit like discreet which by the way i saw a little tidbit because ozarks is coming back i, I believe this thursday april oh, wow. 28th another uh, it's coming back no 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 it's uh second half of the final season which oh. is this is the end of ozarks uh which i'm glad they're ending it because they had said before i think that they were going to do an additional season but it's it's dragging it was dragging already um i think it's just better to go out with a bang but let me say something that i learned today with ozarks and when they you start an episode of ozarks you have like this little circle Mm -hmm. and it has symbols in each quadrant yeah i remember that i don't know if this is true but i saw something today on on instagram that said each of the little symbols in each one spells out ozark so you have the o around (laughs) and then the first one is z a r k interesting yeah so I'd have to go back and like look at the episodes and see all of the symbols, but supposedly like if it's a gun, it's gonna be in the shape of a Z. If it's you know like all these little mm. items and stuff like that. But all right, let's move into this. Last episode we ended with a, a nice one night stand party with Polly and uh, some young man. Uh, she ends the episode. We see her doing the walk of shame back to her home or apartment. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, Michael is there. So we get the introduction of Michael in this episode. And you get kind of a, this general theme of motherhood in this episode, don't you? I mean, you get mm-hmm. Polly trying to make up for lost time with her son, Michael, right? Mm-hmm. You get the young uh, boxer that Arthur killed. and His mother storms into the bar and causes a scene there. You see Ada, who's a young mother in london kind of like figuring her way about things Mm -hmm. and uh this just seems to be like this whole like paternal maternal thing going on here you know tommy feels almost like a father to michael in this episode in weird ways and charlie from the scrapyard feels like a father to tommy in some weird ways in this episode it's it's a lot of that going on i don't know was i the only one who noticed that no i don't i don't think you're the only one that noticed that i I think in the show there's a lot of you know uh people kind of filling in the roles of people that don't exist right like someone's mother someone's father well you kind you kind of get three characters too right three kids you get the digbeth kid Mm -hmm. right you get the boxer who was killed by arthur and then you get michael too right yeah so you get like these three stories of like innocent kids and two of them end up in death so it's like you see that concern with Polly also you know right because you see whoever goes around the shelby's if they're like young innocent guys mm-hmm. even if you go in for something that you, seems you innocent like be careful harold hancock's you know man. i mean come yeah. on you know tommy in this episode he says he does bad things so which <laughs> uh that's a pickup line right there man that is things. a pickup line <laughs> You never yeah, said I could see did. that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah I do bad <laughs> things. What do you do? And then so, someone actually asks you in real life, you're like, what do you do? Um, <laughs> murder and steal. And, yeah. I don't think I'm those off. are the bad things I had in mind, but okay. You don't think so? Not for a pickup line. Oh, oh, oh I'm talking about Tommy specifically here. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> roll into it. playing this back all right getting it started here 
What was up with the chill, the ch- little child you know, in the beginning intro? And you, is it is that Michael? Is that supposed to be Michael? I, no, you know, I thought it was because there's a child that just to give Ada's some like context kid. here. There's a child looking at this puppet show. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, um, I must have been eating garbage in this scene. I don't, there's yeah. a man who's killed, an Irishman who's killed at a theater show. Yeah, right outside. And what what it is is that the king has offered a treaty to the Irish, uh, and I have not done any historical research on this at all. But am I wrong in saying this is like to the like the olive branch extended as a treaty, and the IRA is against it? Something and the man being choked lines. out while these kids watch this uh, movie from back then. It's just, it's crazy to see like the juxtaposition. You got the guy being murdered and the kids growing up in this neighborhood of murder, you know? Mm-hmm. It's uh, And they feel, they look right at home as well. It's like as if nothing is going on. Although they're not seeing him get murdered, but. Which, which kind of drives home my my thought about the theme of the episode being like innocence ruined, right? Mm. Yeah, I can I can see those themes going throughout mm-hmm. here. I mean, and then the the f- scene that follows the IRA member being garroted or whatever that thing that they used yeah, to choke someone out. Yeah, is with Moss, whose innocence has been has been ruined as well. He's a corrupt cop because mm-hmm. y- you have Campbell in this episode who's dealing with the aftermath of season one, where you know although he was like this tough, revered leader coming in from I think he was coming in from Glasgow, I'm and he comes in and he's respected and he's kind of whipping the police department into shape, but he falls in love with his um, confidential informant and makes a mockery of himself in a way, right? Where he mm-hmm. loses kind of his reputation as this this justice bringer. Well, now he's kind of coming back to do the same thing with less righteous intentions in some sense, right? Because mm-hmm. it seems like now he's just purely on a on a vengeance plot at this point towards Tommy and towards pretty much the whole damn town. He has like kind of like this... Heavy incel energy. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna. I think it was Belfast that he, that he came from. Belfast, not Belfast. Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he seems to just hate everybody and hate life in general, and has this. He has this disdain, and it's weird about Campbell. It's like he's like the example of taking a, a good thing to the extreme and it turning into a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Where he's he believes in justice and good and evil, but. He hates it so much that he becomes more evil himself. Yeah. Right? It's like this. It's true. Yeah. Like the way he treats the former uh, whorehouse owner in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's disgusting the way he treats her. Yet she's the one who's kind of living the life of, of sin and, and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So he like yeah. takes it to the point where it's like you you more empathize with her and like, yo, get off your high horse type of situation. Yeah. Then you then you do see his way. I mean, in in, in a way, he, he's he's a hypocrite with with a lot of this stuff, right? Like he doesn't do all of the bad things they're doing, but he does a lot of bad things to get to his goal, right? Uh, I was also going to mention, yeah, the uh, the whole treaty that was sent over or passed to, to the uh, the Irish by the king. There was a lot of infighting with uh, the IRA and, and mm-hmm. yeah. others. So, you know, half wanted it and half didn't want it, so. You figure the more extreme faction wanted more Irish independence in some sense there. But yeah. on to the Digbeth kid who's one of the more memorable characters that we have in, in Peaky. And it's interesting because immediately Tommy's the only one in the room who sees opportunity in this kid. Because we actually get kind of a behind the scenes 
in this episode more than we do in most episodes of Peaky Blinders mm-hmm. of the day-to-day operations, right? Mm-hmm. You see what they have to do to keep the police in their pocket, right? The police need these cues of prisoners, which we've o- I've always had suspicions of. You ever been like at the end of the month, like there's more cops on the road? Yeah. They got I, for whatever reason, every time I'm driving back from from like a trip as well, like I always like there's always more cops. Yeah, and there's like it's because they have a, I think they have a quota. If there's any cops in the audience, you know you want to chime in. But it seems like they have a ticketing quota where they got to mm-hmm. give out more tickets certain times of the month if they're <laughs> under, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, here Tommy's talking about that the police have a quota for arrests, and so what they do is they stand up innocent men and get them like a week or two in jail while they pay them you know, a salary per week to take that hit, right? Yeah. So you got this young kid, Dick, the Dick Bith kid, who's been inspired by Billy the Kid, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes in with his wooden pistol to, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. I don't like, know. That's the last thing I would do. <laughs> Come in with I mean, he just, pistol. he so does not fit in in Birmingham. I kind of don't want to let him get away with it. Like you see all of the characters here and here, here comes this guy who looks kind of like 35 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just doesn't seem like a kid, you know? No, no, he doesn't. But, Tommy does give an iconic line where he says they didn't fight, so they're different. They stay kids. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good Tommy accent right there. Yeah, it was. It was pretty yeah, good. I didn't try. It's probably because I'm like half asleep. But, That's uh, why. Yeah, yeah. It's, it comes out. Because you got you to gotta have the lazy, like kind of low voice. Yeah. You bring out the... Anyways. Uh, Pauly and Michael. Pauly's interesting in this episode because you so see like... Michael, man. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> speak, so speaking of Tommy, I always found it hilarious... That in this scene, you have Tommy talking about the kids are different. They didn't fight, so they stay kids, right? Yeah. And then the exact next shot is Michael looking like a little boy. Because he looks like a little boy dressed up. Mm-hmm. You ever see those little kids that they dress them up like ridiculously yeah, with like bow ties yeah. and stuff like that All for church? Yeah. Right? Well, he looks like a little boy at the table while Paulie's trying to like make up for the lost time that she did not have when he was a, a baby, right? Mm-hmm. But Michael's struggling with the whole idea of he does not want to be held back. He does not want to be the good boy, right? He's yeah. embracing the the dark side in this episode. He sees the flashy life of the Shelbys and he's intrigued by it. He wants to eat the fruit, which is hilarious because John and Arthur come in acting like little kids. <laughs> yeah, playing right? with guns. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur to the point where he's like, I shot you, John, go down. looking ridiculous yeah but uh tommy comes in it doesn't tommy like i felt like tommy felt like the father in this scene coming in he but he acts like the father in a lot of ways like not just here in in many of the places he's not the oldest but he acts the most mature so i I totally agree i love the dynamic between all of the shelby boys because i'll call michael a shelby boy here right where yeah. you have, they're remembering him when he was a kid and he's like, well, I used to throw you out the window. I used to push you down a, a box watery lane, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you get like this dynamic between the three Shelby brothers and then Michael, where they were obviously raised up kind of rough by Pauly. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's coming in. He's getting ham and sh- shrimp sandwiches and little pastries <laughs> and stuff like that. Pauly's packing him his lunch, just... You know, he's making getting some tea, making tea like, you know, and these guys, they're kind of taking it in stride for the most part out of love for Polly. But uh, it, I just couldn't help but notice that, that it was mm-hmm. it wasn't petty at all. It was just all love. But it was just interesting to see the dynamic. Right. Yeah, it really was. On to Billy Kitchen. One of the more epic kind of 
battle like characters from the what is he from the black country family as they said uh there's the black country boys and the brummy boys the brummy boys are the are the peaky blinders uh so the brummy boys i think are the ones that are from birmingham birmingham yeah and then the black country boys i think are just where are they from basically not i i i'm not 100 percent sure i didn't have enough time to look it up earlier but let's, let me see if i can find it i love the scene with billy kitchen where he's like i was shot a week ago you won't smell any rot or gangrene like this guy's ready to work he's been shot in the chest mm-hmm. makes you think makes you think you know yeah if you got shot in the chest would you be at work next week of course i work from home <laughs> they they'd call you they say hey how you doing you, you're like there's no rot there's no gangrene i'm good like, bring it one. on he's like one of the they ask you one of the bandages to come off when i want them off <laughs> i think uh the black country boys were from the uh four refers to the uh four boroughs metropolitan boroughs of dudley sanwell Walls Hill and Wolverhampton, something along those lines. I don't know where any of those are, but uh, somewhere in Europe, I think. Interesting. Doesn't the garrison look different in every single scene? The out, the exterior of the garrison never looks the same. It does kind of have some different looks every now and then, but. I think for the most part, it, it stays true to, to what I remember. I, I just think we get a lot of different angles that we're not used to. Um, like, the, like we just got this really close-up angle um, on, on the left where you actually got to see some, uh, some of the little boys outside playing a game with coins. I think they were playing Penny Up, which was a game um, that they used to play back then. It was like a little betting game. Um, and they actually would, like, cops would chase them down because they, they wanted to arrest them for doing that oh yeah yeah um sounds like you played a bit of penny up as a kid no i uh i actually learned that from watching the the um peaky blinders like, oh that's right on, you got into the bbc network yeah it was very yeah. interesting it's, it's a very historical but it's it's amazing tell, yeah tell, tell the audience a little bit about that there is there is a show on the bbc network that i think it only has two episodes out currently but it is basically a historic show around the Peaky Blinders and a few of the people that they have on the show, from my understanding, like their, their grandparents or their, like, I think it was their grandparents or their father or something like that was actually an actual Peaky Blinder from back in the day. And, and they were, they, they go through all of the history, everything that was going on, you know, with the races and Billy Kimber and all of that. And uh, we also get to hear a little bit about like the history of the lifestyle and, and the cops and what was going on there um and they you know they kind of got into some of the history of playing playing penny up. i gotta, so that, I gotta check that out i gotta it's check really that interesting. out interesting yeah it's, it's it's totally worth it i would do it. it it does there's no spoilers between this uh and that because that's more of like a history history channel sort of show but it, it's great yeah i gotta check that out that'll finish off the peaky blinders collection mm-hmm. we have uh the first scene between michael and tommy where michael's walking towards the garrison and asks to use tommy's phone which seems to be a, con- a convenient way to get a one-on-one with Tommy, where um, I think Tommy's just trying to toe the line. He knows what Polly really wants for this kid, and it's not to get tangled up in in their gang business. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs Polly. He doesn't really need Michael, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but Michael's hell bent on being involved. I mean, Tommy's telling him, you know, you're going to call your mother and you're going to make up your mind when you turn 18. You're not going to do this now. But Michael is is determined. He's one of the few people who kind of tells no tells Tommy no to his face and tells him a story about a wishing well, pretty much saying that he hates the suburban life. You mm-hmm. know, that he can't be cooped up in there anymore. Doesn't really seem to have a any sense of I mean, this is a kid who was taken away from his parents when he was like or from his mom when he was less than 5 years old. He had to then. He has like a disdain for his upbringing to the point where it's kind of suspect of, you know, what, how will he be when given this kind of life, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you see this scene later on with Polly, where Polly's all just trying to impress him with her, her lifestyle and the new I mean, maid she has in the to house. I impress my son too if, if the first time he ever saw me, I was walking home after a one yeah. night stand. Yeah. I think that would have probably impressed your stand, your son, like right there, you know? Dad, oh, <laughs> damn! Hey, let's go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tommy says a line to Michael here where it's, he says, "You have smart eyes. You do know what we do." You know, and I was like mm-hmm. thinking to myself, I've always used that as a way to. I feel like eyes do tell you if somebody is smart or not. You know, mm-hmm. completely, and uh, I just found it interesting. I was like, All right, yeah, I mean. You can have a look of of uh, just being dumbfounded with with, with things, mm-hmm. or you you just look confident in general. I mean, I, I guess it's it's kind of in the eyes. Mm-hmm. I do. They say eyes are a window to the soul. Well, on to Alfie and the Black Country Boys. This kind of goes to the uh, what I was saying earlier about this episode showing the day day to day life and the operations and the strategies coming into play. Uh, well, Billy Kitchen was made a brigadier, according to Tommy, where he wanted him to enlist 100 men to work under Alfie Solomons, it would seem. Uh, now, you get this cool scene with Alfie where he's empl- he has a line of employees coming in from Billy Kitchen. And all of them, he's saying, handing him paperwork, and he's saying, fill it out, fuck off. <laughs> he, it just goes to show you, you don't, you don't bite off more than you can chew. Because he says it to two people, and then Billy Kitchen comes in. And instead of saying Baker, he goes, head Baker. Mm-hmm. And Alfie at that point does not. He just says, fill it out. <laughs> he does not tell him to F off at all, <laughs> which is interesting. It's You know, Alfie, there's a couple of alpha moments here for for some of the characters. You got Billy Kitchen, mm-hmm. and then Alfie has to make a statement to kind of assert dominance on both Tommy and Billy Kitchen because he says a line to Ollie and he says, never give the big man the power. Mm-hmm. He says that to him as Billy Kitchen walks out. Now, is he talking about, I'm sure, I'm assuming he's talking about Tommy there, but Alfie still needs to make a statement for himself because it's his house, right? It's his, it's his operation. Yeah. So he does the stare down with Billy Kitchen as they have this very fight club-esque scene. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I literally for the first time ever just watched that movie like you just saw fight two club? days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- this, does this scene not remind you of when Brad Pitt's given the rules Absolutely. to fight club? absolutely when alfie goes rule number one never the, make the, the distinguishing too <laughs> yeah it's all the color and then approaching and calling someone out mm-hmm. you know it's uh it's essentially com- it's definitely by inspiration of fight club and i don't know where the trivia is on this but i would bet a game of penny up that this would be based on fight club hands down 
I can. Are see you it. looking it up? Are I you looking it? it? Don't even bother looking I'm it up. Not, I don't know. I, I don't know I, where I, that would I'm be. I'm sure it is to some degree. I, I, I don't yeah. think anybody's gonna have drawn that conclusion and published it, but it's I, very I, obvious. I never noticed it because the thing is, like, you don't remember these little scenes as you. You only remember them when you rewatch the episode. Yeah. You don't once you're like on season five. You're not remembering this little scene here where they're enlisting all the bakers into the Mm-mm. into the brewery. No, you don't think about it at all when you're that far ahead. Yeah, I had a interesting little note here with uh, just where you see Alfie. I feel like Alfie going into this scene felt he was third in the pack here. It was like Tommy. And this big bloke, Billy Kitchen, had just taken over his whole distillery mm-hmm. until Alfie knocks out a guy and just makes everybody remember, like, listen, I'm still the king in Camden Town, all right? Yeah. So <laughs> nobody goes screwing <laughs> around here. No jokes, nothing. We run it my way. So, and Tommy stands by, which shows kind of Alfie winning the day on this scene. Mm-hmm. He yeah. kills every scene that he's in, man. Tommy. Yeah, no, yeah, no he's... He's fantastic. And more and more, as you rewatch Peaky Blinders, his nonsensical lines all have meaning. I Upon like first watch, sometimes it's like, what the hell is he saying? And where is he going? <laughs> where is he going with this line of thought? Here, he, he goes all over the place, but he gets to where he wants to be. Yeah. I think everybody, like, would you want Alfie Solomons as an uncle? Like that drunk uncle you have in, in your family? Well, he might, uh, he might kill me. So uh, probably not. I doubt that. I feel like he'd be a, a fiercely loyal uncle, but you wouldn't want to bring like friends around him. No, I definitely wouldn't. He, he might. He might kill the friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tommy has a, a moment of dominance here too, where he goes up to Billy Kitchen and says, "Make it work." You know, so it's like. First, Billy Kitchen kind of goes in and makes a statement on Alfie, then Alfie mm-hmm. on Billy, then Tommy on Billy. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the pecking order gets reasserted. Yeah. Uh, next scene, Tommy visits Ada in London. Now, Tommy's walking, rolling around with two bodyguards these days in London. He's obviously, we're not used to seeing Tommy with bodyguards in Birmingham. So no. it's one of those things where you, when you see him with a bodyguard, he knows that he's in danger in this new territory. Yeah, but well, I mean, we just literally at the beginning of this season saw him get the living shit beat out of him. So I'd probably bring some bodyguards to me after that too. I gotta say, well, first and foremost, I'm not sure how Ada has windows. What do you mean? This is the first time I've ever noticed this. But if if you rewind, she clearly has a unit that's in the center. Well, you. You could be in the center, but still have windows in the front of the building. Yeah, but look look at the way when Tommy enters in. I'm going to be really petty right now. He comes nah, look out at of the car. how big and wide that is. He, he gets out that. of the car. Hold on. It, those are all different houses, though. So he comes in. You get this hallway here. And then he walks in, but th- he goes to the right. He goes to the room on the right. But in. There's but if you looked right. at the way the units were, there's like seven units to the to the left of this unit. So there wouldn't be a window on that. But and getting into... Could be at the front of the building. Yeah. Well, not a major spoiler, but you have the same location in later seasons, but it looks different. 
a lot of a lot of the locations tend to change a little bit. Yeah, but more because of the development and as time progresses, I think, mm-hmm. than anything. Well, he visits Ada, and uh, it always seems like he goes to visit Ada to kind of recharge and get away from the the barbaric lifestyle of a Peaky Blinder, right? Yeah, that's I mean, always the vibe I get. Like he always a little normal. He always has a to do for her. It's usually always legal, but. He does have a good relationship with his sister. Maybe she doesn't see it that way, but he keeps men outside her house to protect her. I mean, he he puts her up in, I'd say this house, I would take this house over Polly's, I'll be honest, a dingy, oh, heck yeah. dingy gothic place that Polly has. I would has. take it right now. Yeah, yeah, same. The heck? <laughs> <laughs> as I, as I no look rocks at, falling As I down. look at my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No rocks coming through the roofs or anything. <laughs> Can't walk around this damn house without thinking of a rock's going to come through. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. You'll have to listen to actually a later episode of Peaky Blinders to, to hear uh, that full story yeah. as, you, as you keep going. Listen through, man. Yeah, stay, up, yeah. stay up with us. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, he wants Ada to buy more property and rent them out. And Ada's giving her a socialist rant about rent them out to poor people and then send your boys around when they go to complain about anything. You know, Tommy would be the worst landlord on earth. Oh, yeah. Hey, the uh, the water faucet's broken. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, we didn't see the baby there, so I'm assuming the baby is sleeping with where Ada's. It's not a baby uh, anymore, though. It's a, he, he was running around when they first got in here. You're right. He's like yeah. two or three now at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he's grown up a bit. By a bit, I mean like two years, but yeah, probably maybe a little more. Polly takes Michael back to her home outside of the city, and it seems like they're a pol- they're polar opposites right now. This is so gothic, pa- by the way. Yeah, this, this it's so dark right. and just feels yeah. dusty. Polly is is wanting this suburban family life, and Michael's had it his whole life, and apparently been raised kind of wealthy. Because while Polly's trying to make an impression on him with this maid that she has. She seems the least confident I've ever seen her in any episode of herself. She seems so unsure of herself. Because this isn't her. This is not how she was This raised. is not her. This is not her, and this is not him. So although he was raised like this, I found him to be a prick in this scene, to be honest with you, like an ungrateful little snobby kid. Yeah. You know, he's just, his mom's trying to make an impression. He doesn't care. He's treating her. I honestly don't like Michael in this scene, you know. Well, don't I like mean, him. my my thought here would be like, you know, he grew up that way. He doesn't know that his mother didn't at this point necessarily, right? He has smart eyes, Zach. He knows. All right, he knows all right. she didn't. And here he is. You know what it is, what I see Michael as? I see Michael using the love of his mother to try to get in with Tommy because he wants the fast life. That's what yeah. I think. That's why I think he calls her mom later in this episode in the family meeting because he doesn't call her mom at all the entire show. But in the moment that he wants to go with them on an errand, he calls her mom. So I think Michael is low key a selfish little boy. I it's said possible. It. It's I possible, said it. but it's also possible we're uh, we're looking a little a little too into his uh his actions here. You think so? He could just be processing it. I mean, this is the first day that he's spending with spending with his mother essentially. It's true. I'm kind of being harsh on the kid. Yeah. He does seem like he's done his research though. 
he does seem a lot more knowledgeable than I would have expected. And How is he more knowledgeable about something than I would be, like, in the in the modern day? He doesn't have Googles to search around things. Like, he lives in the sub- suburb somewhere. It's a great How do question. you know what the Peaky Blinders do? It's a They're great not question. on newspapers. Well, not in the newspapers he would be getting, I don't think. Exactly. It's very convenient, if you ask me. Yeah. Makes you wonder. He also kind of just showed up there a little a little too easily to me. But then again, I thought he was taken away initially at, when he was a baby. But he obviously, according to John and Arthur, was a little bit older than that. He could remember something. Hopefully, he wasn't a baby and they were throwing him out the window and stuff like that. Like, I would hope not. Right. But uh, but he, he made a comment where he's like, the only thing I remember was the day I was taken away. Yeah. Right. Well, on to the scene, next scene of Arthur. Arthur's just chilling doing a line of coke when this woman right. comes in clutching a gun the way you do at a shooting range just uh shaking what do you mean the way I, I, shut the hell up. <laughs> I fucking know how to shoot a gun jeez <laughs> i shot more than you've ever shot in your i life. know i just wanted to i just wanted to trigger you I wanted to trigger yeah, you there did, yeah. well arthur uh it worked it worked huh <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm calm, but <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, well, Arthur is getting kind of wrung out here by the boxing kid's mother. And she's coming in with the mother's grief. She wants to kind of give, well, she doesn't want to. She wants to kill Arthur. She comes in with a loaded gun to shoot him, but she's not a killer. And uh, Arthur's trying. I, You know, I feel for Arthur here. But you also have to feel for the for the mother of the of yeah. the fighter, right? We got Arthur, who's trying to kind of make amends in, in the best way he can. But because you know, of all things, Arthur really didn't mean to kill the kid. He no, did. He did. It he, was he completely it was, lost himself in that moment. Yeah, it was a legitimate like PTSD episode, which he has later on in this in this uh, episode with the assassination attempt of Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, we'll talk about that after. But the mother of, I don't think we find out what the kid's name was. Did, did she, did you catch a name of the the boxer kid? No. I, I don't know. Maybe. I'll, I'll look it up while you continue on. See if lo- I captured it in the last one. I do love the fact that John comes in after the whole altercation and Arthur offering her money and a fund and work uh, for her boys. And that she doesn't have to work another day in her life. And John just comes strolling in, doesn't recognize the lady at all. See, and ask who broke the mirror with a, with a little send-off note. That's seven bad years. That's seven years of bad luck it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> hopefully that's not seven years of bad luck for Arthur yeah. or the woman. But uh, you never know. Um, On to the daily operations of Peaky, of the Peaky Blinders Part 3. By the way, Tommy gets around a lot in one day, man. So... So far in this episode, I'd have to rewind to see all the spots, and we're assuming this is one day. Mm-hmm. They hire the Digbeth kid, right? I think it's safe to assume this is now a new day. I want to assume that it's one day because the way he sits in the chair at the end of this episode feels like <laughs> it feels like he has had the day of somebody who did all of this. Okay, okay. Doesn't it feel like it? I mean, we don't see a nighttime in this episode until at the very end. I'll take so, your word for it because I didn't get a chance to rewatch the rest of this. No, nah, it's way too much going on. There's way too much going on. Oh, you didn't rewatch the episode this? I, I got I got part of it down and then I, I couldn't finish it. Didn't have Unbelievable. Time. I know. It sucks. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Well, I take it back because the boys do go on a road trip. So 
Well, uh, you can go on a road trip in the same day. I mean, come on. We're not, going, we're not going in a freaking Honda Odyssey, dude. They're going in like a the wheels that you'd see in Red Dead Redemption. Or you got to yeah, like stop no on the side of the road it. and it's like wooden <laughs> wooden wheels. Like, come on. <laughs> wooden wheels? Damn, I would yeah. not want to drive that. Well, I, don't, I think I'm exaggerating there, but... Oh, uh, you are. Uh, Charlie Scrapyard. Charlie wants more money because now they're pedaling. I'm laughing at Charlie in this scene so hard because he's the uncle of Tommy as we know by now, but mm-hmm. he's mad that he's doing actual work, that he's not moving He's not moving goods that are stolen and that he's having an easy time going through, the, uh, through black country. Mm-hmm. So he's mad that life has gotten easier for him, and he wants more. <laughs> and he wants more money because because the work has gotten easier for him, which is what, hilarious. What a what an argument for trying to get a raise. Yeah, if if you rewatch the scene, you'll see he gets mad that they're moving stuff, and it's not stolen. And it used to be, it's not sport anymore. Going through the black country, they just wave at us from the cut or from the bank. <laughs> It's a pretty good scene. Charlie, Charlie gets some good lines in this episode. He gets some you, good lines. You know, if anybody ever comes to me and they're like, hey, listen, man, work is getting too easy. I, I need like more money. I want more money. I think I'd yeah. give it to him. I'd be like, Just for right. the sheer audacity of it? <laughs> yeah, really. I'm like, all right, you got it. Hey, man, I've been noticing that the work you've been putting on my plate lately has just been a little simple and it's been getting easier and taking less and less of my time and I'm going to need a pay raise. But, you know, uh, the funny thing about saying that, though, is it could be so true in the sense that it's because you've gotten a lot better, right? Oh, so that looking, same work is now easier. You're looking way too into this right now. <laughs> I am. And I'm hoping nobody that works with me listens to this episode because I'm not <laughs> giving you a raise for this. If you say this, I will know who it was. Oh, gosh. All right, I'm over. Well, Cam- Campbell's Whorehouse, that's what I titled this next scene. Uh mm. His police department has put him up in a former whorehouse of Stetchford, apparently, or, or with the housekeeper who used to own or run the most popular whorehouse in Stetchford. Uh, <laughs> and Tommy's Tommy's always doing that thing where, like, maybe you shouldn't poke the bear. Yeah. You, know, you already have it up on Campbell, right? Yeah. But he can't resist it. He can't, he, resi- he can't resist getting that, like, poker and just, like, putting it in Campbell's open wounds. There so. is many moments where, where Tommy will, will poke the bear. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I wish you didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not that he can't win or anything like that. It's more along the lines of, you know, you're operating under the law here, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, Tommy Shelby. He's making a statement to Campbell, letting him know I can get to you wherever you are. Because yeah. he shows up at the middle of the day, which is earlier than their planned meeting, but uh, he comes by as a friend to tell him, "Hey, man, uh, since you're since you've got it in so good with the police department, just want to let you know your boys are having a laugh at you because they've put you up at a whorehouse and you have no idea." Uh, <laughs> all right, next scene. For some inexplicable reason, Sabini's eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich inside of a boxing ring. Because it's badass. I mean, I, if if you're going to eat a PB&J, man, you got to eat it in a boxing ring. I thought it was badass, but then as I continued to watch the scene, he's like chomping on the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And that, that never looks badass. It never really does. But if you're not doing it in a boxing ring, it's just a little bit less badass. Yeah. You know who, he, you know who 
Sabini looks like. I'll give you one guess. If you have to guess the actor, and oh. if you don't know the name of the uh, actor, then just name something he's been in. Uh, the guy from Transformers. Um. No. Josh Duhamel. No, no, no. Shia LaBeouf. Um, not Shia LaBeouf. The, the older guy. The. Which Transformers? Like the third one, or the the newest one, whatever. I, I didn't watch it. I haven't watched the Transformers since name? the first two. Is it Matt something? You're gonna have to look it up. I haven't I'm seen the Transformers. Up. That's not who I was going with, though. He reminds me of Jason Sudeikis. Huh. You know, you know who that is. I don't know. I feel like you're not great with actors' names. So I'm I have not. To... I suck with actors' names. The guy from Ted Lasso. Okay. I am looking at him right now. Just type in Ted Lasso. I can see some uh, some similarities. You got to see it like more in the close-up shots when he's chomping on the sandwich. Like mm-hmm. they have the same facial structure. So it's kind of hard to take Sabini a little serious because it seems like a caricature that Jason Sudeikis could like easily fit into. <laughs> Which I've never seen somebody get choked out with such just pure... Like he's not even putting up a fight because the assassin comes in. Sabini wants him to take somebody out. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be Digbeth the Kid. Uh, <laughs> you talk about shit luck, man. You talk about shit luck. <laughs> and, and right before the scene, Digbeth just got arrest- arrested, by the way. Yeah. Um, the, the actor I was trying to think of was Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg? No, I don't see it. There's there's a little bit. I don't know. Uh, what it was, uh, maybe or something. the mustache or something. I something think, about it. It, was just, it kind of reminded me of him a little bit. I think he's in the Uncharted movie, and he has like a, he's playing Sully, and he has a mustache now. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Campbell with this woman, who uh, the empathetic character, you know, she doesn't seem like she seems like she's turned a new leaf at the hotel that Campbell's staying at. You know, she does. She does appear that providing way, yeah. quite good service. If you, you know, if, very good. I if mean, you had to, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh huh. But. Campbell kind of pulls like the way he acts at the at the at the Chinese brothel in season one, mm-hmm. right? Where he's like, he's just he's a creep, man. He really is, a and creep. he plays it well. But he's just like this self righteous creep who doesn't see who doesn't seem to think that his uh, that his dirty deeds don't smell. Yeah, he he thinks he is. Uh I think he I think he I think he could have pulled this off with a sense of humor to let to let her know to tell the police department that he knows like he could have done it in a in like a funny way but he chose to do it in a violent way yeah but if you do it in a funny way you're not being serious oh you can you can be serious because he has Winston Churchill on his side right for now yeah Although Winston didn't seem too happy with him. In the yeah, that's why That's why I say the for now. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that they don't know that. They weren't in that meeting with Winston Churchill. So if he knows that they've all taken him for a, uh, for a little joke here, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a couple ways to go about it. Uh, to Harold Hancock. Is that his name, Harold Hancock's? Dude, I suck with actors' names, I, honestly. No, no, it's not, his, it's not his name. His name is Harold... Harold, golly, how am I blanking on this kid's name? I couldn't even think of Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) That's pretty bad. (laughs) I could picture his face and I'm like, God, what is the name? Harold Hancock's. Mark? Harold Hancock's. 
He has one of the most brutal deaths I've ever seen in Peaky Blinders. He gets his neck slit open with a with a knife, yeah, uh, and and blood out, which is is it's pretty gruesome. It's pretty sad, given that yeah. he's just a little in, innocent kid. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I don't like to see it. Don't like to see it. <sighs> Dig Beth the kid. Yeah. Good game. Well, he left an impact, you know. Yeah. I mean, he like he he made an impression. You ever seen? Remember when we watched these, when you used to watch The Walking Dead, and yeah, on Sunday you'd have The Talking Dead and they'd have the in memoriam. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> hilarious. The everybody who died in the episode, like, <laughs> dig like that. Dig with the kid was just as good as The Walking Dead, man. It used to be. Uh, dig with the kid would be uh, be that guy. <laughs> well, Tommy adjourns a family meeting to talk about a couple things. Digbeth is a uh, is a bullet point in this meeting, but doesn't seem to be more important than the horse, which also goes to show you just don't get involved with the Shelbys because unless your name is Shelby, your last name, you're, you're not, not going to be a priority. Yeah. You're not. All right? So just don't. Go take up with the rivals. Go do what you got to do. But uh, you're not going to make it far up the ranks here. Uh, Tommy mentions the boy, says that they want to start a fund for, the, for his family. And... Polly is okay with it, but seems annoyed because she's been dragged down here and does not want to interfere. She does not want this family business to get, you know, mixed up with Michael as she continues to spend time with him. Yeah, because right? he's pure in her eyes at this moment. Yeah. Well, Tommy needs her as the company treasurer to agree to spending a thousand, a thousand what? Pounds, I believe. A thousand guineas guineas a thousand guinea horse that's what they that's what they're calling it he wants to buy a race horse that's going to give them a passport into the owner's enclosure of the race that they want to be the statement race for which they take the largest piece of london and pretty much take sabini's piece of the pie right mm. so they're going to the derby the derby is our big event our big central event of the season everything leads to the derby it's a black star day so a thousand guineas is it's not money it is one of the five english classic horse races run over a straight mile on the rally mile course at okay. the new market spring meeting it says and blow a thousand guineas on a horse that's not even arab uh, so the guineas is, is a slang for for the money at that time for sure yeah well michael comes storming in he pick locked the door or actually, he didn't pick lock it. He took the key off the nail. And he's he's he loves horses, so he wants to go on this field trip to go auction on this horse, mm -hmm. which Polly is completely against. And John delivers the most memorable line of the show, aside from Tommy's other two. As the scene's about to end, and Polly sends Michael off away, pretty much. John goes up to Polly and says, "Paul, when I was Michael's age." Had killed a hundred men and seen a thousand die. That's a that's a line right there, man. Yeah, that's like a line when you pick up that script and you see that line, you're just thinking about that line the whole episode. Mm -hmm. That's John's line in this episode, and he owns that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's worthy. Like we should start putting some snippets of the key key moments or lines into our episodes. I'm down. It's definitely one that sticks with you. It's crazy to think about that, though, the reality of it. 
for those not hearing what we're doing. We're listening to the the snippet. I think you got to put that snippet inside the, the episode. I'll see if I can grab that snippet. I think you got to do it. That'll be on YouTube for sure. Mm-hmm. That line that John delivers to Paul, you just kind of slide that in over. Everyone can hear it. We put those three lines. The three lines of the episode are, he didn't fight, so he's different. They don't grow up. And then you got John's line there. And then you got Tommy's line to May Carlton at the auction itself. All right. Which is a uh, pickup line of the century. Well, <laughs> on to Polly, who's mixing her double life of suburbia and city living. Uh, Michael with his never-ending suit collection, which I think was borrowed by John, borrowed from John. and um, Yeah, this doesn't look like anything I've seen Michael in so far. I think it's John's, I think he mentions. Uh, he asked about his father and who he was. I think he's hoping for like this epic story, but Polly tells him that his dad unfortunately died drunk, pinned between a boat and the lock. So that's a, a terrible way, an embarrassing way to die. Uh, but on the bright side, she says that he had the voice of an angel and that he was kind when he was sober, which I don't well, know what that means. I don't know what that means about when he was drunk. Now, on well, to I, I would assume it means the opposite, that he was not kind. On to the Shelby boys road trip. They're on their way to auction for the horse and Zach's preferred vehicle of choice for a road trip. And Michael brings out Why his packed lunch. preferred vehicle? Because <laughs> you said, uh, I don't know why, because you said there's no speed limit. Oh, yeah, there's no speed limit, but I would not prefer this vehicle. No? That. I think you should trade trade in your car for this, man. Uh, that thing would be, if anybody could rock it, it'd be you, man. I agree. I agree. There'd be I, like I, an office in the back. It'd be a work from home. <laughs> there'd be a little work from home. There'd be a little cafe in the back, too. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd actually be kind of cool, man. Well, uh, <laughs> Michael takes out his bagged lunch, which the boys give him hell for. Even Tommy's like, what is this, a fucking picnic? <laughs> who, brought, who brought him all this picnic? Char- I'm telling you, Charlie gets some shine in this episode, man. He's getting some love. Mm-hmm. Getting some love from the writers on this one. Well, enter stage right, Mae Carlton, the most eligible widowed, well, widow in the horse auction <laughs> site and uh, she's immediately intrigued by the by the blue-eyed gypsy across the way who's uh, about to pay way more than he should have for this horse but you got to make a statement sometimes and she wants to go at it with him in her own way i gotta say right off the bat tommy hasn't had as much chemistry with anybody else as he's had with this woman like right off the bat mm-hmm. right i mean Lizzie's Lizzie, but he doesn't have that kind of, you know, May has this kind of uh, seductiveness to her. Lizzie, although she's a lady of the night, she kind of still has like this innocence to her that's uh, that's uh, charming in its own way, but she's not like savvy like a Grace or a May Carlton. I'd sure. agree with that. I'd agree with that. Right. I think this is the quickest we've ever seen people move on each yeah. other in this. Yeah. How about... How about Curly saying he has a bad feeling here? Do you li- would you have listened to Curly? Knowing everything that I know about this show. Oh God, you can't do that. You can't of course do I'd that. Listen to Curly. You Why can't. Not? That, I mean, they're that's all a te- that's a technical, bro. That's a technical right there. <laughs> 
Cur- That's curly, a double curlies. T. I'd throw your ass out the game for that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, cur- cur- I love Curly, man. He's hilarious. But I'm a bit super. I'm a little bit superstitious. So if, uh, like, for example, I was looking for a doctor the other day because yeah. I, I don't have a primary care doctor mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm decided on yet. And uh, I looked up a doctor who was recommended, but there was a bad review on my birthday. Mm. A bad review on my birthday. And I was like, I can't pick him now. <laughs> I can't pick him now. What the hell? But what's like, the service date on your birthday? Huh? I said, was the service date on your birthday, though? No, it was 2020. But it doesn't matter. There's 365 days a year, man. That's not the <laughs> day. That's not the day to rack up the bad review. Yeah. You know, it yeah, is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a poor coincidence. It's like, there. you know, if you're going to go eat somewhere. And you're like, you're looking around, you're in a, you're in a new town, you're looking up restaurants mm-hmm. and uh, you choose like, hey, you know, Bob's Sub Shop and it has like four and a half, four, four stars or three stars and you're like, eh, I might go there. But it says on your birthday, worst service I ever had, saw them drop my sandwich on the floor and pick it back up and laugh and put it and wrap it in a piece of paper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going there. It's no. just, this is going on. Anyways, uh, May is really aggressive. You know, you got to, you know, ladies, yeah. take some notes from May Carlton. She wants Tommy. She goes and gets it. She goes and says, hey, will you consider me? Will you consider me for your stud? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Tommy knows that he's owning it. And like the greatest thing in this scene is the middle school behavior of the of Arthur and John. Hey, Tommy, got to get back to the caravans, <laughs> the chickens. It's great, man. <laughs> Just playing up the gypsy talk. Boy can't have he can't have one moment with this woman. Tommy, like no. like Tommy hasn't been alone this whole damn time carrying the family. Like, let this guy have a good time a bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Tommy's undeterred, man. He doesn't give a damn. He's just I do bad things, but you already knew that. <laughs> Boom. I, that's one of those like aggregated uh scenes that they'll just take on instagram and put some like random music to it Mm -hmm. because this show is the king of the fake quote on social media it'll be a picture of tommy and it'll say something on there he never said it'll be like you know take one hand and take off the other finger and it'll be like some random like vengeance quote and uh have nothing to do with the show hold on a minute this girl charlotte riley who who's that is that not the girl we just saw here or is that someone else the actress? Who's Charlotte yeah. Riley? I think she's the actress. Who is Charlotte Riley? Yeah, I'm trying to look it up. Hold on. Well, while you look it up, I'm going to talk about the most low-key and worst assassination attempt I've ever seen in my life. First and foremost, how does he know? How does this assassin from Sabini know that Tommy's coming back into this ring? Big blank, just big plot hole here. Also, how is there nobody in the horse auction ring altogether? Just a little. Come on. But you don't think about this at all when you watch it for the first time. But upon like nah. the 15th time watching, it's just very convenient. Everybody's shouting each other's name. There's gunshots being fired. You know, they're saying Tommy Shelby super loud. Then Arthur screaming, how about Arthur Shelby? It's like, all right. Mm-hmm. So now we got two names out there. Give me a break. And this yeah. is out of their domain. This is in Birmingham. So they don't got the cops over here. But anyways, uh, Arthur seemingly, I think he kills the guy or beats him to a pulp unconscious. 
who's Sabini. He just goes full Mike Tyson on him, even bites off his ear. And we see a little bit of uh, Michael's composure in these heated moments who tells Tommy that he wants to drive, that he's good to drive, and goes home to Polly and just completely lies to her face, which she has to know is complete BS. Maybe yeah. she doesn't know the extent of how bad the day was, but she knows they're not great. Do, do the boys ever really go out and have a normal day? I don't think so. Not on this show. That's for sure. I'll Not get to my. Show. I'll get to my point. Um, after, after we finish this, yeah. I'll get okay, to that do, in a do it after the episode. After the episode, uh, I'm gonna do it after right, the episode. Tell me the way Tommy sits in the chair. Which, by the way, I kind of want to buy that office chair, bro. Right? Yeah. Did when you my saw that chair look like his one day? When you saw that chair from the distance, I'm gonna rewind because that chair deserves the rewind. <laughs> it it looks I, so comfortable, right? Right. I need that chair. Plush and leather. Great. Need it. It does look like all of this kind of happened in one day. It, right? Like the way, right. He's, yeah, totally the way right. he sits down is like. And this is the first time we see Knight in the episode as well. With, with everything else. It is. It is. That's why I, that's why my, uh, my guess is this all happened in one day. It was a very busy day. That's for sure. They wake up like at 4 a.m. I live in that Mark Wahlberg schedule. Shout out to him for second reference of the episode. Apparently. But episode ends. Tommy takes out the card for May Carlton and looks at his phone. Yeah. The end, which knows, which means that we're getting some May Carlton in the near future. So. End of episode so, three. End of episode. Charlotte Riley. Did I, did I stop sharing? Oh, because uh, I closed the tab. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. So Charlotte Riley plays May Carlton. Charlotte Riley is Tom Hardy's wife. <gasps> now that's a good tidbit. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. I just okay, it up. so the I just actress who plays May Carlton is Tom Hardy's wife. Wow, the dynamic duo. <laughs> Are they? I didn't know Tom Hardy was married. Yeah, his, his, his spouse is. Uh, Are you sure about this? I, I I have like four four or five tabs open right now, all about unreal. This. Charlotte Riley. She's married to Tom Hardy, and she is Mae Carlton. Do they have a show. kid together? I don't know. There's a picture of her, her pregnant here. Do they yeah. have kids? Little Alfie? Tom Hardy, He baby. does have a son. Yeah, they keep him really private. Yeah, son is they have three Lewis. children. Wow. Yeah. Why did I think Tom Hardy was not married i don't know i didn't i never thought about it i saw something recently it's you got to be careful with these fake quotes on on these social media platforms man i saw a quote from tom hardy i said thing about being alone is you never want to start to love it too much you don't want to be surrounded by other people i haven't (laughs) i haven't fact checked that quote but i (laughs) promise you just you want to have some fun like just go on instagram and just mm-hmm. hashtag Tommy Shelby, and you'll see like you'll see quotes from like random things. Like it'll be like a quote from Art of War or something like that, and it'll just yeah. have Tommy Shelby smoking a cigarette, mm-hmm. just complete nonsense. It'll be Socrates, and it'll just be or Marcus Aurelius, and it'll just be Thomas Shelby. Just just a cool picture of Tommy. All right, so Charlotte <laughs> Riley, wife of Hardy. How did they meet? Did they meet on the set of Peaky they, Blinders? I don't know. They got married in 2014. When was this shot? Where did Tom Hardy meet Charlotte Riley? 
Withering Heights. 2014 is when season two was shot. When? 2014. Interesting. So she I was probably... I'm not saying she was cast because she's Tom Hardy's wife, but... Well, I mean, if, if this is real... But it helps. Then, you know then what I mean? She, they wouldn't have been... I think it released information season two, episode two air date was October 2nd, 2014, which means that they wouldn't, they probably weren't even married when they were filming this. So he played Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, which I saw just very briefly. I never read Wuthering Heights, but he plays, um, Heathcliff is like a, he's like a brute of a man. Just a angry, I, I could be misquoting Wuthering Heights completely because I only saw like the ending scene where he's an old guy. <laughs> But uh, he just seemed like this prickly old guy. By the way, Charlotte Riley, really pretty. She's like way prettier outside of the show than on the show, for sure. Um, not sure how Alfie Solomon's, I mean, he literally, I don't know how he feels. You know, his wife with the rival gang leader. I don't know, man. <laughs> I was just, it hit me for a moment. I'm like, holy crap. All right, let's get into some of the uh, breakdown here. For we sure. have the end. We know that Tommy's going to. There's going to be some dynamic there. We also had that letter from Grace that Tommy burned. So incoming Grace May Carlton collision course on the on the horizon. Uh, not a lot of progress from Campbell. Kind of like a weak episode for Campbell in terms of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we do know that he has a meeting with Tommy coming up. And Arthur's dealing with the aftermath of dealing with his PTSD. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that's about it. Dealing with that and where where he is in the pecking order. I think he's still kind of dealing with that. Yeah. Michael's trying to transition from suburban life to gang life. Polly is slowly going to come to the realization that suburban life is impossible as a Shelby. Ada is grappling with the, uh, the fact that she already has a side as a Shelby. And John is just John. <laughs> John is not dealing with PTSD at all. Nah. He's got a bunch of kids somewhere. <laughs> emphasis on the somewhere and seems like the most well-adjusted Shelby after the war mm-hmm. all right let's get into the superlatives so is that the what we should say superl- i hate that i mean you've been categories. saying it like literally forever forever for as long as i can remember it's a long time it is a long time <laughs> best scene of the episode what you got there's so many in this one but um damn there's a lot let's say i like the scene where the michael takes out the lunch and uh the reaction from everybody when he takes out the lunch i, I really do like that scene mm-hmm. and then my runner up is the may carlton tommy in-person exchange where okay. she asks him what he does and he goes oh i do bad things i do bad <laughs> things and, she, and she's like hmm? <laughs> she's like huh uh huh uh, so my my favorite scenes are you know the whole situation basically with Campbell in the whorehouse. I think that was great. Really, that's a th- curveball. Curveball. I scene. mean, yeah, I think it the whole like everything going on behind what happened there. It was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy <laughs> Tommy telling him like you know it's a whorehouse. So you don't know they they put you here. Um, that was just hilarious. And then I liked. The boys running into the room with Michael when he was there while they yeah, were tearing out the guns. That was a, a great scene. <laughs> I'm sure what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and I like their reaction, how they sober up when they realize it's yeah. their it's their cousin. I, I really do like that yeah. moment there. Um, I think we need a new 
<laughs> a new category. We yeah. need an, a new superlative. Oh. Best line of the episode. Oh. That's going to that's going to be a good one. I'm giving it to John Boy when he says on pole when I was Michael's age, I'd killed a hundred men and seen a thousand die. Or uh, I don't want to like, steal your thunder, so you you choose one now because I got you already know my three. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm obviously gonna pick. I do bad things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is a you know it was the one that I had the most visceral reaction <laughs> to because I had forgotten that that's how he responded to it. Yeah. Um, I also like the line where he's reading the newspaper at the start of the show and he goes, they didn't fight, so they're different. They don't grow up. They stay kids. And it's just, and he's reading the newspaper like a grown-ass man, just, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I'm old enough to remember a newspaper being delivered Uh, to my home. Me too, man. I love love it. And seeing my parents read the newspaper, see my grandfather read the newspaper i'm old enough for that and i kind of miss those days man i miss it i want to just go around to the corner and like go go to like a cafe go to the newsstand there and just buy a buy a newspaper but now it just feels so extra you know it does but i still miss it it it, Uh, it was it was interesting i find that i buy newspapers when i'm out of town as weird as that is yeah because you you'll go to a coffee shop and you go to a place like you know you stay at a hotel and generally speaking like there will be they you can ask for the for the publication that you want mm. like you can ask for the new york times or you can ask for whatever newspaper you want to order you well, know i'm gonna have to do that then i didn't even know you could do that yeah yeah man well that wraps up one. that one wraps more. up There's oh we do more. we have one more yeah you added one wow you uh, sounded like a, a certain assistant from a <laughs> <laughs> One more. <laughs> Most memorable character <laughs> in uh, this episode. <laughs> Wait a minute, sir. Forgot one more. Yeah. Um. Most memorable character in this episode. Tommy, man. No, the Digbeth kid. Yeah, that's the one I have too. Digbeth. He, he he didn't have a lot in this episode, but I like be he said, he he left a big impression. Just I mean, everything that went on there. Kind of sticks with you. I didn't remember Digbeth. Uh, I didn't remember him until this episode. Exactly. So, so much of an impression that he left. For the episode. But to be fair, I never watched these episodes with the intention of podcasting until we, we started the series. So, I never watched it while making notes and yeah. wondering, who the hell is this kid with a wooden pistol? I never like, <laughs> even today, you know, some of the Peaky Blinders episodes, you roll into them and then you don't start paying attention for about, you know, a minute and a half. Because mm-hmm. they'll have some random thing in the beginning, and you're like, I'm going to go get some water. I'll be right back. <laughs> and you come back, and you're like, somebody died in a theater? What? Where? With huh? kids? Huh? huh? What? <laughs> Who's that kid behind the veil? Is that Michael? Time skip? Yeah. What? Anyway, <laughs> uh, end of episode three. We have how many more episodes in this season? Two more? Uh, three more. There's six episodes in every season. Your eyes just lit up. So we got... Oh, so we'll finish next week. We'll no. finish... Yeah, man. Do the math. Three more. We'll finish this season next week. Okay. Episode four on Thursday, five on Tuesday, six on Thursday. Okay, okay. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode. I guess I'll, I'll roll us out. What's the name of that game again? Penny Up? Penny Up. 
There's a few right. different names for it, but that is the. I think that's the Peaky Blinders esque term for it. All right, all right. Is that it's basically it? a game where you 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 toss a coin towards a wall. So like, there's like the corner, like the ninety degree angle of the floor and the wall, and the goal is to try and get it closest to the wall, and that person wins. There you go. He's got the phone. All right. Thank you exactly. for listening to episode three of season two of the Piggy Blinders podcast by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google. You can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can visit our website at storyarchives.themainnetexchange.com, which ties us into the podcast network, The Mainnet Exchange. You can visit the website there. There's a whole bunch of links to another podcast, social media. And if you want to send us an email about an episode, another show you might want us to cover, or I don't know want to just say hey i I like what you're doing it it, it sounds pretty cool uh yeah send us an email podcast at the minute i'm sorry that's right podcast at the minute exchange.com i don't know man this is your territory it is it's my territory it's right i don't know why i guess a second guess myself (laughs) i was like i had it i had it Uh, nope all right is that it that's it all right hey well ladies and gents also go subscribe to the story archives show go listen to the trailer because we're going to actually have a our first episode up by the end of may 2022 mm-hmm. guaranteed book it i hope and it'll be a movie that we'll announce or actually we already announced it but we'll just re-announce it next episode we're not going to say what it is we're not going to say what it is again you'll listen have to go to back next in- episode or just listen to the previous one and or you'll, you'll hear to it the always. But please go subscribe to the Story Archive show. Help us. Validate us. Validate us. Validate Zach. He needs it. Yeah. Obviously, look at me. Yeah. A mess. I do bad things. I'm gonna <laughs> when somebody asks me what I do for work, I'm just gonna say I do bad things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Don't do bad things. <laughs> <laughs>